Welcome to the Bread of Life. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, the Director of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bible Teacher at the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about our work to make Christ known to the nations, go to traincpe.org. Or to discover more about this radio ministry or our fellowship in Boise, go to breadoflifeboise.org. We're considering the story found in 2 Kings chapter 8, verses 1-6. through 6. The Shunammite woman whose son Elisha had raised from the dead has fled Israel during a famine that lasted seven years. She returns to get her land back from the king. In that moment, the king is meeting with Gehazi, who was once a servant of Elisha, but had become a leper because of his own deceit. I've allowed myself a small excursion into some fictional imaginings on the life of a Gehazi. What if his leprosy led him to become one of the four lepers who lived outside the gates of Samaria? In chapter 7, these four lepers, ready to die, go out to the Syrians who are sieging Samaria, seeking to either end their lives or get a little food. When they arrive, they find that God has ended the siege and the famine by frightening away that army in the middle of the night. And so it was, maybe, that this event brought Gehazi to the king and both before the Shunammite with a wonderful lesson for us to learn on the beneficent impact of a godly life. The king learns the names of the lepers who brought back this word. He recognizes the name of Gehazi, who had once served with the prophet himself. He calls upon him to come, that he may learn more about the great deeds of this prophet. So Gehazi arrives to tell him the stories of his experience when he served Elisha. And as he's recounting in detail the various stories, he comes to the story in which Elisha raises from the dead the son of the Shunammite woman, and he tells it with great detail. And just as he finishes telling the story... The Shunammite woman arrives in the home or in the palace of the king. She's returned from living among the Philistines after seven years, and she's found that her land has been confiscated, probably by the king himself. It was abandoned. The king says, I'll take it for myself and my own enrichment. She comes back seeking for her land. She, the king, and Gehazi, all impacted by the life of Elisha, converged by the sovereign hand of God at just that moment, and all the land is restored to her. I think that's a great story. And a lot of it's true. And a lot of it's been true for many of us. The very things that brought us into sin and drove us from God are the things that tie us to recognize, bring our conscience and awaken us and tie us to return to him and realize that what it is he was trying to teach us. I want you to see something in this. The main character in the story is not the Shunammite, it's not the king, and it's not Gehazi. It's Elisha. The main character in the story is Elisha. And what we're learning is the impact that Elisha had on the lives of these people because of the commitment he had to live in faithfulness to God. And so just briefly, let's consider the beneficence of a godly life, the benefits that flow out of a life that is surrendered to God. And the individual here is Elisha. And let's look at this very quickly. Number one, and we find this in the passage we just read this morning. Elisha offers counsel in a time of crisis that rescues others. The Shunammite has come to trust in the wisdom of Elisha, and now that famine is coming upon the land, Elisha counsels her that she needs to go somewhere else. He says, arise and go, you and your household, and stay wherever you can. For the Lord has called for a famine, and furthermore, it will come upon the land for seven years. And so the woman rose, and she did according to what the man of God had said to her. In times of crisis, what you'll discover is that wise people do not seek the counsel of those who are floating along with their age. 
They seek out the counsel of individuals whose lives are fixed and unmoved with a kind of moral clarity. Our age, in this day, needs to find us fixed in our commitment to follow the Lord Jesus. Our world doesn't know it, but they need us to carry on in our commitment to obey the one who saved us from our sins and freely gives us eternal life. And when we do this, we become reference points of wisdom and direction in a world that is being shaken apart. But to those who claim the name of Jesus Christ and claim His salvation, but they live their lives adjusting their moral compass to whatever will serve their own passions and their own desires, and they follow along with the current of the world, they betray Christ, but they also betray a world that needs them in times of crisis. They actually bring them into that crisis because instead of being a preserving influence in their life, they contribute to the decay. Instead of being a light that shines in an increasingly dark time, they become just another part of the obscurity of the gray areas and darkness of this world. God will hold them into account. Our world will need people who are truly saved by the Lord Jesus and truly surrender to live an obedient, holy life before Him. Individuals who are set apart from the moral downgrade of our times. Our world will need people like that more than ever before, very soon, even now. And so in faith, we need to fix ourselves to Christ. We need to claim wholeheartedly the salvation He has provided. We need to call upon His life and holy power, His word as our command in everything, so that we may have an answer for those in crisis when the world is collapsing before their eyes. There's a second thing you see here about Elijah. His good life could not be ignored. It became the point of conversation. Elisha has become the talk and the point of curiosity of the king. A short while before this, the king had actually sent out a messenger to go after Elisha and to take off his head. And now the king seeks a messenger to come to him, even a leper, according to my imagination, in order to tell him more of what Elisha has done in the great works. Well, that's not imagination. The Bible tells us that Gehazi was a leper of the great works that Elisha has done. It says, here's what we read. Then the king talked to Gehazi, the servant of God, saying, tell me, please, all the great things that Elisha has done. Not all of us are going to be seen and known for the good that we do in the name of the Lord Jesus. Not all of us are going to be seen and known for the good that we do for others, for his honor. Not all of us are going to be seen and known for the good that we do, residing and completely trusting in his power alone to keep us and guard us and help us to live for his glory. Not all of us are going to be seen and known for the sacrifices we made and the injuries that we were willing to take in order not to flex and give in to any temptation but to live completely for Jesus' name and for his glory. We'll not be seen and known in that way, but the good that we do will remain and it will bring a benefit upon the land in which we live. The history of our nation in the United States, the history of its wonderful escapes from peril, the history of its expressions and its values being expressed in the most sublime or the most wonderful way as one of the greatest nations that the world has ever known or the greatest nation the world has ever known. That history, one day when it's all told and it's all brought into light, what we're going to discover is that the full story is that these high moments, the good that was done, the evil that was escaped, was the outcome of the prayers and the patient endurance of the saints of God who lived in that land. 
people not observed, not seen, not known, but whose good lives became a beneficent influence on our country. And when our nation goes into judgment, it will be for the lack of the same. But here's the encouragement, folks. You can be a part of a story that will one day be told in full of your life having influence, benevolent influence upon this land in which we live. But it will happen if you commit to living your lives, declining the riches of this world and then choosing instead the riches of Christ's life in you. Declining to gain the pleasure, the momentary pleasures of sin, but instead deciding above everything else that you want the Holy One to live His life through you and express that life before others. You live out for Jesus Christ in good times and you live out your faith for Jesus Christ in hard times that are coming. Trust in Christ working through you a benefit for your world by your obedience and it will come. Even if you suffer, even if they threaten you, even if they persecute you, even if it seems God is not listening or answering your prayers, the benefit goes on. Here's the third thing. Such a life bears influence upon any number of persons. A great woman like the Shunammite has justice delivered to her through the testimony of Elisha. If I were to go and explore my life, I know, I know without a doubt that my life and the benefits of my life are the result of those that God brought into my life. The things that they spoke to me and the things they lived before me and the way that they prayed for me. And very often I find myself to this day saying, thanks dad. Things my father taught me. People that God brought in my life. The, the contacts and the friends he made that have remained my friends and beneficiaries for my life. Speaking to our young people in the Sunday school class, I told them of one of my father's best friends, Charles Denhart. When I was about 28 years old, Charles called me. He was a disciplined man. He, he read through his Bible three times a year. He had specific times of prayer. He said, Joel, do you know, I pray for you and your family every single day. And I believe it was right. Thanks, Dad. The people and the benefits he brought into our life. And your life is the same way. Your life is benefiting because of people that God graciously has brought in your life that hold fixed upon Jesus Christ and are living in complete surrender to him. A skeptic and spiritual king cannot escape the call of God upon himself and his nation because of the influence of Elisha as well. Elisha gave light to the dark maze of that man's life. In that man's mind. You know that? Your life is under observation. And there are people who are brought to Jesus Christ because they heard a passing phrase. It wasn't some profound thing that you were saying all the time, but it was just something they caught out of the corner of your eye in your life or someone else's life that was following Jesus. Something that they weren't calculating and saying in order to get attention or to prove that they were good Christians, but just living their consistent commitment to Jesus Christ. And somebody overheard a phrase that was made or a statement you said or caught out of the corner of your eye, their eyes, something in your life that sparked them and said, this is a ring of truth. This is a point of moral clarity. And in that light, God led them to more light until he led them to see their own sin and their need of a savior. And they were transformed by that faithfulness. And you don't know what it's going to be. You don't know what word you're going to speak, what expression you're going to speak, what moment of hallowed moment of prayer that you're going to give, what humble expression you give that doesn't even seem to be spiritual to you in any way, but just a common expression of a life that's lived before Jesus Christ. You don't know when that's going to be captured by the mind or eye or sight of an individual, and it's a moment of clarity for them and understanding that God uses. What it requires of us is consistency. 
a fixedness upon Jesus Christ. We're thankful for people like that. Thankful for those that God used in ways they might never know to speak to us. You have Gehazi, the backslider, disappointed by God's failure to give him what he wanted and desired, consumed by those desires and full of bitterness. But the witness of Elisha remained in his life. And now after seven years of famine, it calls him back to the truth and offers him the greatest riches of all, God's rescue. God's rescue. The very thing that he was not appreciating or understanding in the moment he appreciates and understands and he becomes a witness of what God has done in the story of God's rescue over and over again through the life of Elisha. A life lived in surrender to Christ. A life full of Jesus Christ himself, his presence, his power pouring into you and out through you over time bears out the fruit of benefit upon those before whom you will live. I think we ought to thank God if we're going to go through our time of thanksgiving, if you're going to add up the things he's provided for you, the first thing that you need to thank God for is for those kinds of people in your lives and the benefit that they have been upon you and upon your land and the preserving influence that they had in their communities. And then you ought to ask the Lord Jesus, oh God, work in me. That kind of life too. For your glory and your honor. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. Go to traincpe.org to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.